0: You're listening to Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols. Support for this project is provided by listeners like you. Visit my website at p3photographers.net for ideas on how you too can become a supporter of the project. Welcome to Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols, the podcast where we celebrate early women artisan photographers. I'm your host, Lee McIntyre. In today's episode, we're going to meet the unexpected story of Niels P. and Alexia Halverson, photographers in Seattle in the early 20th century. For more information about any of the women discussed in today's episode, visit my website at p3photographers.net. That's letter P, number three, photographers.net. Hi, everybody. In today's episode, I want to introduce you to a couple who did photography in the late 19th, early 20th century in Washington State. Now, their story is not a tale of a long career in photography, but their story is very compelling. It's got plenty of mysteries and a few unexpected twists. Of course, the first unexpected twist was even how my husband Chris and I actually discovered this couple. You see, normally when we buy a cabinet card or other old photograph, We buy it thinking that the photographer named on the front of the card might have been a woman photographer running a studio. Now that wasn't necessarily the case here, but yet buying this photograph was the key to discovering a series of rather interesting developments about this couple. To talk about that today... I've actually invited my husband, Chris Cooley, to join me here on the podcast so that we can chat a bit about our journey to unlock some of the mysteries in the story of Niels P. Halverson and his wife, Alexia Halverson. So let's just dive right in. I want to find out about the Halversons, Niels and Alexia. So first of all, Chris, why don't you tell me about where did you run across them first?
1: So I was uh, going through all the old photos in an antique mall in Boise, Idaho. Mm -hmm. And they had a lot of photos. Right. Um, And I came across this one uh, portrait of a man. In a coat and tie. And on it, it said, Halverson, Ballard, Washington.
0: Okay. Well,
1: obviously, we live in Ballard. Right.
0: We just moved to Ballard, Washington. Right. I mean, Ballard, part of Seattle. Yeah.
1: So um, I thought I would just get it just for fun, because it's where we are. Right. And it said Ballard, because... uh, in the late 1800s early 1900s ballard was its own town it wasn't part of seattle yet yeah um it got absorbed uh uh, later a little bit later yeah Yeah. um so anyway i said ballard and so i just got it for fun and didn't know anything about who halverson was wasn't on our list of women photographers Mm -hmm. um but just got it because it's where we live so yeah why not
0: and we had no idea that Ballard, I mean, before we moved here, we didn't realize how late it was that Ballard got incorporated in Seattle. Right. So it's fun to find.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so then what?
1: Uh, well, then it's time to dig in and right? see what you can find out. And so I found um, in the census records that Halverson was uh, Nils P. Halverson. Okay. So in the 1900 census, he's yep. listed as a photographer. Right. And um, he's married to uh, Alexia. And uh, there's no occupation listed for her, um, but that's often the case. Yeah,
0: we've definitely found that, even when the wife was a photographer. Right,
1: right. Um, And then in looking in the newspapers, I discovered that in 1901, he built uh, a building in Ballard for a new studio. Oh, cool. And um, it was um, at the edge of the old downtown Mm -hmm. area. Okay. Um at uh, it was 3rd and Broadway then. They've renumbered things now, but right, um right. but that was at um at the uh I said at the edge of the old downtown. And he had been a photographer uh, already in Seattle for a couple of years. Okay. Um and looked in the city directories and found that he was uh, had been a photographer Um, At least since 1899. Okay. Uh, And he had a studio downtown where the Seattle Art Museum is now. Oh, cool. Probably not as big as the Seattle Art Museum. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. Um, But uh, anyway, where the back of the Seattle Art Museum is now is where he had his studio. Okay.
0: And that was in the late 1890s? Right, 18.
1: In the directory, it's 1899. Okay. And as with many other small business owners, he actually lived in the same place. Mm So whether he lived on a and it might have been two stories, and he lived upstairs, mm. or more likely, he would have lived downstairs and had the studio upstairs to get more light. Right, right. Um, but he lived in that location. Okay. And then it seems like when he moved built the building in Ballard, then he moved out to. Out
0: so he moved to everything out. Yeah. So, and now he was already married to Alexia when he was in Seattle then in 1899?
1: Um, right. So in the census, it says they'd been married for about seven years. Okay. Um,
0: oh, that's right. And then uh, I just ran across, um, noticed that their marriage was actually in Illinois, in Chicago. Okay. Um, in 1892. So she immigrated. I think you found in 1892 as right. well. So she got married shortly after she arrived.
1: Right. So then, uh, so one of the mysteries, and there are lots of them. Yeah. Um, so did they know each other in Norway, or right? Um, was it an arranged marriage of some sort, or right. or
0: was it just coincidental? Yeah. That's right. Because I don't think we actually said that um, they were both um, immigrants from Norway. Right. So, right. but he came much earlier. Yeah, right. He
1: came in 1881.
0: Right. Although they were about the same age.
1: Right, right. Through. So he was born in 1860 or 1859, and she was born a year later.
0: So, okay, so they get married in 1882, and that's in Chicago. Then somehow they wind up in Seattle. Right. And
1: but then we just saw them in Ohio.
0: Oh, that's right. That's right. Um,
1: so in the directories in Chicago and then mm-hmm. another one in Evanston, he's in the photography business. Right. Uh, So in one, he's a photographer, but he's not. uh, Doesn't seem like he has his own studio. Okay. Looks like he's working for somebody else. Um, In another place, he's looks like he's a photo printer. Okay. um, In Evanston, Illinois.
0: That's right. And then we did find a notice um, for reasons which we'll get to that appears in an Ohio paper a little bit later um, that talks about him having been a postal mail carrier on the train so somehow he's a photographer and then a postal clerk and then a photographer again right, right. and changes locations uh-huh. um but at some point in 1899 he's a photographer in seattle then by 1901 he's built his studio in ballard okay right. so let's pick up the story again there
1: so um seems to be doing a good business and then um at the end of December in 1902.
0: December 26th, to be more precise.
1: Okay. Well, the notice is the next day, but. But the, that's true. On the 27th. That's true. Yeah. Um, and it's a sad notice because he was on the tram coming back from downtown, and there were no rails on the edge of the tram. It started forward suddenly, and he fell off, hit his head on uh, the paving stones, and he died. Oh, So geez. he'd only had that new studio for a year or so. Wow.
0: Like wow. And he was only at his, what, 40? Yeah, so the point? About, yeah. Yeah. It was about. That's tragic. Yeah, tragic.
1: yeah. Um, and uh, so there was a, some back and forth. Uh, and in a way, it seemed like an accident. I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't an accident. Right. But uh, on the other hand, Alexia sued the, the cable car or the tram company, essentially for negligence because they should have had rails around the edge of the platform. Right,
0: right. And one uh, of the articles actually talks about how the car was supposed to be retrof- was mm-hmm. fitted with rails for the, the winter, mm-hmm. and it hadn't been fitted yet. Okay. And so that must have been part of the basis of her lawsuit right. because the company initially goes out of its way to say it was just a tragic accident, Right. Um, right. but Alexi gets a lawyer.
1: Right. And not only does she get a lawyer, but she sues for $35,000, and six months later, in June, she actually wins. I mean, she gets $20,000. $20,000, and, and in, so that's in 1903.
0: 1903, so, so June of
1: 1903. So
0: what's that worth, the equivalent of?
1: So that's about half a million dollars.
0: Half a million dollars?
1: Right. So wow. all of a sudden, she's very wealthy.
0: She's a very wealthy widow.
1: Right.
0: Now, what's she doing with the studio?
1: So... Before I found out about the the lawsuit and stuff, I saw a notice just um, about 10 days later saying that um, she is going to continue the studio that um, her husband was running. Now, the fact that she did that so quickly makes me think, or made me think, that she had probably been working in the studio with Nils all along for quite some time, in any case. Uh, She knew enough to be able to the business going
0: yeah definitely and
1: even though it, she hadn't been mentioned as a photographer in the 1800 census that didn't really mean anything because um often women didn't get their occupations listed
0: that's right and, and we've certainly seen other examples yeah. of that where the census doesn't indicate that she's a photographer but then the wife right. is indicated in interviews in the newspaper or in ads that she's a photographer right so
1: um and then she actually keeps the studio going for um a couple of years and um so even though she you know got all this money she's still in the settlement um well the lawyer took a cut of course, of course. um and yeah uh, i think
0: there's actually notice about how much he got like five thousand of that yeah so,
1: so so she didn't get the whole half a million but still close uh, she close. got
0: um, a good chunk of money
1: so she keeps the studio going she also buys various pieces of property in seattle so she's doing Um, some development or land speculation um, as it goes along. Wow.
0: Okay, so she does land speculation.
1: Right. And um, between the lawsuit and one of the deals, land speculation... We get a glimpse that maybe she isn't quite as straightforward as you might like to think. So I hate to break it to you, but not all of these early women photographers were <laughs> angels.
0: No, and but you know, she's such a tragic figure her Husband dies so tragically. Uh, she collected half
1: a million dollars. She did
0: sue and collect oh, half a million yeah. dollars, yes. And so right. then what's this and other? So the
1: first thing is she apparently tries to stiff the lawyer. Oh, um, right. Because he had to file the lien. That's right. That's um, right. That's get, how we
0: find out how right. much he got. Right. right.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so one, in one of her land deals, uh, she buys some land and then she works with a builder and she puts up the money for the house and mm-hmm. he contributes the labor. Okay. Uh, so she buys the materials, and then he builds the house. So they are in a partnership, right? Um, when it's all over, the house is built. She tries to say, "Oh, it's all mine. Thank you." Oops. And he said, "Wait a minute. That wasn't our deal, right?" And uh, so he took her to court, and that went all the way to the uh, Washington State Supreme Court. Wow. Uh, she lost. Oh. Um, so he, the builder had the right to half of the property. Mm-hmm. As long as he paid her a certain amount, which it's not clear from the article, but presumably the the equivalent of what she had put into the materials for the house. Okay. Um, but so two times in a couple of years, she's trying to take advantage of these uh, business owners. Partners, Other businesses. Whether it's a lawyer or her. Well, she's contractor. utilizing
0: the, the yeah. uh, court system to sue to get.
1: Right. Uh well, she's getting sued. She's not doing the suing. Well, well she did n- do that one suit.
0: Well she did she sued the electric right. company or whatever it was. But, right. 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 Then, so she's uh, getting sued. She
1: gets sued herself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now. She's still running the photography studio though. Uh,
1: so, well she's still listed so far so yeah. far as we know, she's running the um studio. Right. right. And she does that for uh a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then in uh nineteen oh five she gets remarried. So um, it's
0: uh H B
1: Petridge. Petridge. Right. Mm -hmm. So he's a um, clerk in a photography supply store, and Mm -hmm. he actually lives just um, a couple doors down uh, where she does, Um, whether they knew each other from the photography connection or just, you know, they're essentially neighbors. Right, Um, right. In any case, they get married in 1905.
0: 1905. Okay. Now it's October of 1905, I believe. Um, Mm -hmm.
1: It's his second marriage. Right. Her second marriage. Right. So... Then in uh, 1906, she's not listed in the directory. So the directory for 1906, she's not listed. The studio. The studio's not listed. Um, So it looks like she probably gave that up. And since she doesn't have her own business anymore, Mm -hmm. seemingly, she doesn't get a listing Because she's now the wife of Petridge. Right. So she she doesn't doesn't have have a separate listing. Right. And that's
0: pretty typical. That's typical, right. So if she
1: had kept the business, she would have had her own entry probably. Right. So it looks like she probably gave up the business. Mm -hmm. And then in December of 06, so just four years after Nils dies, Mm -hmm. she dies. And you found out what she died of.
0: Yeah, so in the uh, record of Washington deaths in Seattle that year, Mm -hmm. um, it says on a big page that lists all the deaths in Seattle um, that she died not of tuberculosis, not of pneumonia, not like other people on that page, but she died of shock. What the heck does that mean? I mean, we still haven't figured that out, but I'd love to know what dying of shock meant in 1906 because it turns out that she dies not only was it four or five years after Niels died, four, four years, um, but almost to the day, yeah, uh, right after Christmas. Right. and so Hey, maybe
1: she saw his ghost. That's
0: what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, yeah, okay, there's nothing that we can prove the, about right. that. But I still would like to know what dying of shock meant in At that, ni- time. In that right. time, 1906. As I said, the other stuff I recognize on the page mm-hmm. that's recognizable as a disease, but not that.
1: Right. And then you found all kinds of stuff connected with her will.
0: Yeah, so it turned out that it wasn't only in life she was had all those court cases, but also after her death, her will and her estate becomes the subject of a two-and-a-half-year legal battle. So Two-and-a-half years. Two-and-a-half years. So she dies in December of 1906, mm-hmm. right after Christmas. And right after New Year's, her widower, H.B. Petridge, actually files a petition to set aside the only will that exists for Alexia. And this was a will she made after her first husband died, before she got the settlement though, um, but she leaves a will leaving everything to her brother Emil Nielsen in Bordeaux, France. So it seems like uh, all the siblings uh, sort of dispersed. A couple of the sisters stayed in Norway, and then a couple of the brothers went to other places, and obviously Alexia came to the U.S.
1: Well, that was a time of um, huge emigration from Norway because of the economic situation. Right. And that's how... So many um, Scandinavians ended up in Ballard.
0: That's true. That's Um, true. You saw that
1: at the uh, Nordic Museum here. Right.
0: I mean, there's a nice Nordic Museum here in Ballard that explains some of the history Mm -hmm. of the immigration to this area. And there was a consulate, a Norwegian consulate here, and the brother, Emil, um, actually writes to the vice consul of that consulate here in Ballard and explains that he has serious reservations about Petridge and what Petridge is doing with his sister's money, with Alexia's money. So he asked the vice consul to basically file a petition on his behalf mm-hmm. to make sure that the will is enforced. Mm-hmm. Again, this is the will that Alexia wrote when she was a widow, so between mm-hmm. her marriages, right. and that's really critical for uh, what's coming later. Right. So she wrote this, and she left everything to her brother, now she gets married a couple of years later to Petridge. Petridge files this petition, as I said, immediately after her death to say, hey, I'm her husband. We're going to invalidate that will. Mm-hmm. So they argue it in the first stage and the brother wins. Mm-hmm. Actually, the vice consul in, on mm-hmm. behalf of the brother. And so he wins. And then Petridge, predictably, Appeals, and it goes all the way, again, to the Washington State Supreme
1: Court. Wow, so there are two cases yeah. connected to her.
0: connected <laughs> the, to her. At, at the
1: Washington State Supreme Court. Yeah,
0: Board. and this one actually becomes case law and precedent for how to handle when an unmarried woman, so either a widow or a single woman, has a will and then gets remarried and doesn't make a new will mm-hmm. and then dies. Right. So there was this gray area. What happens? Does it go to the husband? Does mm-hmm. the state go to the husband? Or do they abide by the wishes of the will she made when she was single Mm -hmm. and the decision by the supreme court is that they abide by the wishes of the husband not of the woman so So, they
1: ignore her express wishes that's right and uh, give it all to the husband that's
0: right because the argument is that once she gets remarried it of course would go to the husband so it just had never been established in law Mm -hmm. before so this actually becomes case law Mm -hmm. in washington state okay that was actually how I discovered all of this thing, uh-huh. because then it turned out that you could find the entire legal case history that's been scanned, and uh-huh. you can read the entire file. Wow. So everything from the initial petition by Petridge mm-hmm. for, hey, I want that will set aside, to, you know, Emile's three-page letter to mm-hmm. the vice consul asking him to fight this case. Uh-huh. And then once they lose in the state, once Emile loses at the mm-hmm. state Supreme Court level, then Petridge is appointed the administrator of the estate. Mm-hmm. And so he then has to provide an accounting of every mm-hmm. all the assets in the estate. And so he provides a list of the real estate and the money and money that's owed to her mm-hmm. um, and other property. And at that point, Emil bands with the other surviving siblings mm-hmm. and says, wait a minute, wait a minute. That accounting doesn't seem right because uh-huh. that property was not community property, which is what Petridge is trying to claim uh-huh. right. to get out of paying taxes, I guess. But he does his accounting. And so Emil and the other brothers and sisters get new lawyers and they take it back into court uh-huh. saying, Well, wait a minute, mm-hmm. this is not a, a right accounting yeah. This guy's trying to cheat. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately, at the end, or at least the end of the stuff that I found, the final decision is actually to split the estate. Mm -hmm. So Petridge gets half Uh and the siblings get half. Okay. And so for for what, after I read this entire case Mm -hmm. history, all 160 pages, I thought- 160 pages of material. That's dedication. Um, There you go. Well, you know, I was fascinated. And, you know, it was like a happy ending at the end Mm -hmm. because I was really rooting for the brothers and sisters. Uh Because Petridge, I mean, by filing that so quickly after Uh her death. And also there was this curious notice that you found in the newspaper. Oh,
1: yeah. So there had been a a notice that um, a guy who thought he was a nephew of Alexia, mm. um, had heard that she had died in strange circumstances. That's
0: right. And he wrote a letter to the newspaper. Right, he wrote,
1: that's how I found it. was a little yeah. um, notice in the paper. Um, and he wasn't sure of, her, of Alexia's second husband's name. Okay. So he only knew her as Alexia Halverson. Okay. Um, so that must have been that how was- he heard...
0: Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, so it was never clear to me. And of course, I really need to find somebody Mm who reads Norwegian Mm -hmm. who can read this three page letter Uh, because the whole thing is not transcribed into English mm -hmm. in the court case. Just the relevant paragraph that says that he is grieved out about the the widower. So
1: So I think I did figure out that that. That that was legitimate and that was the son of one of Alexia's sisters.
0: That's right. Um, So in the final um, disposition of the assets, it says it has the list of all of her brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. And so one of the sisters' married last name was the same name as the supposed nephew. So I think it was a real nephew. Yeah.
1: So there's definitely some bad blood there between Alexia's relatives. That's right. Petridge, and that also makes you wonder what was going on with um, Alexia and Mr. Petridge.
0: That's right. I mean, so the court papers, you know, at one point, one of the lawyers says that, you know, as the court is well aware, um, this case has been vigorously uh, argued for many years now. Uh-huh. And that was true. I mean, so the final disposition of that estate took place in 1909. hmm and so right. it's two and a half years of wrangling mm-hmm. over. I mean, it is a half a million dollar estate. Actually, by the time the final assets were done, it was up to thirty six thousand or thirty two thousand, hmm. maybe thirty two thousand dollars.
1: So she did uh, some good investments. That's in right, her land dealings. Right, that,
0: that land speculation paid right. off yeah. uh, because obviously she didn't wind up with the fr- right. twenty thousand at the beginning anyway. Right. So.
1: Now, was the studio part of the will?
0: No, the studio never seemed to enter into it. So yeah. um, I don't know at what point that was disposed of. Now, there was you know, well, almost a year.
1: Yeah. Well, she wasn't in the 1906 directory. That's so right. maybe she had already gotten rid of it. So I suspect
0: she must have gotten rid of it because mm-hmm. all of the property, all of the, mm-hmm. the furnishings and stuff, it didn't talk about any right. camera equipment or even the studio property itself mm-hmm. it had she owned a, a series of other houses and buildings and things mm-hmm. like that right so
1: right and then you came across in one of the stories about Nils' death right. another uh, surprise and mystery because that article said that he had 3 children
0: yeah but that was in, really strange
1: because of the 1900 strange because of the 1900 census um, Alexia has put that she has no children. That's right. That's um, right. And has not had any children. Then all of a sudden, two years later, Nils has three kids. Right. And they weren't in her will at all.
0: No. And they're definitely, I mean, she definitely died without issue. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. very clear, repeated over and over Mm -hmm. when they talk about her heirs and the siblings and stuff. So it's really odd that they're never mentioned. So, I don't know what to make about that columnist. I mean, so as a newspaper columnist who had like news about town, mm-hmm. not quite gossip, but uh-huh. noteworthy people and mm-hmm. what they did, and it was a mention right after Niels died that oh, mm-hmm. uh, was tragic, and he leaves a wife and three children. Mm-hmm. No other place we Mm -hmm. have found. Uh, We've Mm -hmm. been searching for any evidence that they had any kids. Now, I thought maybe when we found him in Ohio, Mm -hmm. you know, when we found that notice in Ohio, because after he dies, somebody sends a notice to this paper in Mansfield, Ohio, Mm -hmm. where he had lived, according to the notice.
1: Right. Um, Well, they both lived.
0: They both lived there, yeah. So the Halversons lived there.
1: Because what did it say about Alexia? So I think it didn't it say that she taught French? Oh, right. It said it said she Houston. taught French. That's so, right.
0: So maybe she had gone to Bordeaux with her brother initially or mm-hmm. something and then moved to the U.S.
1: Or they might have that? learned French in school. In school, right. When they were growing up.
0: Yeah. So it definitely mentions her and it's definitely after their marriage mm-hmm. um, because it's the mid 1890s that it mm-hmm. says that they, they lived there. So And that's where he was the postal clerk. Right. right. But then there is this mystery of what he did right after he arrived in the U.S. Mm -hmm. and how he wound up being a a photographer in Chicago. And, of course, he marries Alexia in Chicago. But then he's a postal clerk in Ohio. Right. And then suddenly they're in Seattle. Right, um, and then Ballard, yeah. so lots of mysteries surrounding mm-hmm. this couple
1: yeah. well, i I think um one of my relatives had been a similar kind of postal clerk on the train, so going oh, back okay. and forth. And he ended up in Oregon, so oh, that's it's true. not that—that's uh, true. That strange.
0: That's true. And he wasn't a postal clerk when he got to Oregon, no, so that's true. Did other things. Yeah. So, do you have any other things to add? I mean, I just—I'm fascinated by the story that emerged from just a random card that you found after yeah. plowing through a whole right. slew of cards.
1: But that happens so often. We yeah. just, um, you know, pick up a photo in a shop or online, and then. You never know where that will lead you.
0: That's right. That's the fun of the hunt. That's right. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Chris. I appreciate your chatting with us today here on the podcast. My pleasure. (laughs) As usual, I'll be putting that photo that Chris found by the Halverson Studio in Ballard on my website at p3photographers.net. That's letter P, number three, photographers.net. Have you run across an interesting photo or the name of an early woman photographer you're curious about? Drop me a line by sending an email to podcast at p3photographers.net. I really want to thank all of you who have already sent me some emails and suggestions. I really appreciate it, and I'm hoping to have a special episode sometime soon with some of the results. Remember, you can always follow Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols on Facebook at facebook.com p3photographers. Oh, and one final special request. If you enjoy the podcast and you use iTunes, leaving a five-star review on iTunes for the podcast would go a long way to help it find more listeners. Thanks to everyone who has already left a review, and thanks to everybody for your support. Once again, many thank yous to my husband, Chris, for agreeing to join me in today's episode. As Chris and I mentioned just now, We've just moved to Seattle, Washington. So to continue to celebrate that, next time I'm planning on bringing you more about women photographers from Washington State. As always, stay tuned. But that's it for today. Until next time, I'm Lee McIntyre, and this is Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols.